0: All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got right red on you? They're coming
1: to get you, Barbara. Horror. Alive. It's alive. the heart i'm rob holmes and today we are joined again by author victoria hall hey victoria how you doing
0: hey rob great thank you and thank you for having me back on the show
1: thanks for being on the show again you picked a a really great movie for this week
0: Yep, Urban Legend. So I'm pretty excited to talk about this one, Um, which honestly, until recently, I hadn't seen. I did not see this film when it came out in in 1998. Uh, It was, you know, one of those teen slasher flicks that received a lot of criticism at the time of release. Um, You know, as I'm sure you remember, it was called... A poor imitation of Scream and a poor imitation of I Know What You Did Last Summer, and uh, you know I was pretty surprised to see this film doesn't get a higher rating on um, IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Yeah, it's to me it's very an it, it's an underrated classic. I I saw it when it came out in theaters back in nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> I was very excited about this film because it was different from. The other slashers that had come out around Scream and the post-Scream era, you know, with I Know What You Did Last Summer, and then the countless others that, that were coming around around that time or coming out around that time. But Urban Legend was seemed like the first one to actually go after all of these Urban Legends and kind of make their kills based around that. And I was interested. And the cast at the time, I knew who most of them were uh jared leto was on you know what my so-called life but i remember him from the movie switchback uh, with dennis quaid and uh danny glover um alicia witt i had seen in a few things at that point
0: yeah twin peaks in june right
1: i think so i don't i never really watched a lot of twin peaks oh no <laughs> um but joshua jackson um I I like the little nod that they do to Dawson's Creek when he finally starts the car up. Yeah, it was perfect. This movie was so it was very campy, but to me it worked very well because Scream had had put something out already that was very strong, but was a parody of the whole idea. It was going very meta. And Urban Legend to me went back to the Who Done It thriller. Mm more so Mm. i mean it definitely goes with the formula of anyone could be the killer Mm. but there was motive for so many people in this Mm. movie
0: Mm. i agree i think you know um it has everything that a horror fan would want in a slasher flick you know it has you know it's funny it is really very funny movie It is self-aware, I think, like Scream. It does reference the genre tropes. Um, But, you know, it has, I think, a a really interesting premise. Um, And as you said, this whole idea of reenacting killings based on urban legends, it's like endless possibilities, you know, um, with that idea. And and by their nature, urban legends have really creative kills. So, you know, fantastic Concept. Um, And as he said, like great ensemble cast, you know, um, Jared Leto, as he said, like Joshua Jackson, who at the time was um, filming Dawson's Creek um, and, you know, would have had a really big following at the time. And of course, the very slutty radio um, host Tara Reid. And this is just before she went on (laughs) to do American Pie. So, yeah, great, great ensemble cast and some very awesome genre cameos as well from our favorite slasher flicks
1: there's there's a few like with tara reed that this was the best tara reed yeah this was this was the everything that people associated with tara reed later on but as a character in the best way um with well, then we also have like Michael Rosenbaum in this from Smallville, and he's he's great in this. Julian Richings uh, from Cube, and he's the he's the weird janitor guy.
0: Yes, I was I recognized him. I could not place him. That's uh, who it is. He is great. He's lurking he's around awesome. every corner. I love him in this.
1: Yeah, it's he's awesome. Loretta Devine is great as the um, the campus police officer. Yeah. Robert England, you know, we got Freddy Krueger in this. He's the <laughs> he's the teacher. He's the urban led, legend professor. Uh, and oh,
0: the Professor biggest... Wexler, he's amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, Professor Wexler's awesome. But to me, the, the one that goes beyond Wexler is we get Chucky himself, <laughs> <Yes>. Brad Doroth, <laughs> in. See, this is the opening that I say beats oh. Scream.
0: this is this opening it's so strong it sets the tone perfectly for the movie it is on my favorite um opening scene list now it's like gone right to the top and as soon as I saw it I thought this is this is going to be great like this sets the mood perfectly um do you want to share remind people what happens
1: oh (laughs) well obviously we're we're going to have these spoilers in this um (laughs)
0: We have to talk about this. It's a must.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and Natasha Gregson Wagner is... We're introduced to her. That's probably the best way to put it. She seemed, you know... No,
0: no, she's like driving, right? She's driving alone in a rainstorm at night. And can I just say, I am a big um, power ballad fan, and she is in her car singing along to, or should I say butchering, absolutely butchering, Bonnie Tyler's total eclipse of the heart. And I'm sorry, Rob, but just for that, she deserves to die. It's terrible. <laughs> but anyway. But,
1: that, but that's what makes the whole, the whole scene. And I know a lot of people have taken it um, from other movies and stuff that have done more comedic stuff with it, but to me... I remember it from this opening scene because it just sticks out is just so it's just very iconic. Uh, But yeah, so she's driving, it's raining out. She's listening to Sasha's show on the radio and Sasha has this sex talk show. So you get a little banter there. You get like some of that sophomore college humor. Uh, And then you know her car starts to run out of gas so she has to go over to this fill up station that's like not the nice one but like the <laughs> rinky dink one on the side of the road <laughs> where they have they pump your well it's new england so like they they pump your gas for you in certain states um and we get stuttering brad dorif which i just did there which is. To too uh timed perfectly, um so we get stuttering Brad Dorif, who is this gas station attendant, and you know she is creeped out by him. It's pouring down rain outside. It is just absolutely just sheets and sheets of rain. She has her mastercard, she slides it <laughs> through the window, he takes it, you know. He pumps her gas. He seems like a nice guy. He just is stuttering, and she's getting creeped out because Brad Dourif has a look.
0: He, he a does. Look. And have we mentioned, did we mention that Brad Dorf is obviously the voice of Chucky from Child's Clave? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, he and look, he 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 does have a look about him and she's really a a bit mean-spirited isn't she and she's sort of like oh "Oh, yeah freaksville and as you said she you know won't wind down the window and she slides this credit card through um a a sort of slither that's open at the top of the window and um yeah and then he comes back doesn't he a a moment later and says i'm sorry there's a been a problem with your credit card, the bank's on the phone, and you need to come inside and talk to them. And, you know, she, you can see she's reluctant. um, But she secrets a can of mace in her handbag, and she agrees to go inside. Um, And once she's inside, um, of course, Brad Deriff locks the door of the gas station behind Mm -hmm. her. So, you know, we're starting to get a little bit worried here. And then she picks up the phone receiver and there's nobody on the other end of the line. There's just that beep, beep, beep. So she goes into a complete state of panic. She maces Brad Deriv, She smashes the window and she makes this mad dash, doesn't she, for the car. Yeah. (laughs) And...
1: that's where that's the part where i'm just like wait all you heard was a dial tone there's a storm going on that could happen there that that is something that does occur so you immediately go into hysterics and attack a man who has a stutter okay like she totally overdoes it in this type of situation she's like the modern day karen Oh, no. So I guess it really does. oh no. uh but yeah, she runs out. she gets in her car. He is trying to to flag her down and say something to her. And I mean, he's really going all out. He jumps in front of her car, she pushes you know, drives the car past him, rips the the handle out from the the pump, and we get it's so good as the oh, music like, builds up. Yeah.
0: And the music, by the way, as you mentioned, it is by Christopher Young, who scored Hellraiser. So great music too. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, he's 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 trying to say something, isn't he? And he's spitting it. He finally spits it out and he says.
1: There's someone in the back seat.
0: <laughs> stop. There's someone in the back seat.
1: Oh yeah, the stop oh. it- and you just,
0: uh, it's this brilliant moment, and, and it's chilling, and it's thrilling, and you're just like, oh my god, you know, you get that sinking feeling in your stomach. It's brilliant. And then yeah, of course, and- it cuts back, doesn't it, to, to her in the car.
1: Just and singing, just crying, singing butchering the song still.
0: And there's that, that great line in the song, you know, um, turn around, bright eyes, and she does, and she looks in the rearview mirror, doesn't she?
1: Her eyes get wide. She sees um, this figure wearing, you know, this, this coat, <clears throat> this big winter coat, and an axe. And there's that little glint in her eyes as she realizes, <laughs> oh, no! And we get the music goes silent axe goes through the window uh of the car and then i'm thinking well killer you're dead because she was going very very fast in the rain (laughs) and you just swung an axe through her head how (laughs)
0: very good point i actually didn't think about that when i was watching it it doesn't matter
1: though because it's still (laughs) such a good opening
0: it was it was such a strong opening and i just thought it was kind of funny it i realized you know yes we were going to get these stock characters who totally deserve to die but isn't that why we watch slasher flicks you know um but yeah it was a great opening and playing to the theme setting a great mood and um was very excited. I think it was actually the highlight of the film. I have to say for me. Personally. Oh
1: yeah, I think the opening kill is definitely—it's up there. It's—I mean, to me, it's one of the best opening movie kills. Mainly, actually, really, what it comes down to is, um, is just that line, just the uh, yeah, stop. There's someone in the back seat. Just how he stutters it out. Mm-hmm. That, to me, makes the movie. Absolutely. Uh, but then, so, so before we get into the full plot of it, this film was directed by Jamie Blanks.
0: Who's an Australian director, actually. And he went on to do Valentine, didn't he?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is a, which, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> I saw, I also saw Valentine in the theaters because I watched every horror movie back, you know, uh, than in the theaters as much as i could but that was just about it he did storm warning and then long weekend he's also a composer so pretty much after 2008 he just went back to composing for mm. for films
0: didn't know that okay.
1: mm-hmm. and then it was written by um silvio horta mm. who uh who passed away in January of 2020 um, but he was also the creator and writer for Ugly Betty um, and a bunch of other shows as well. but this was this was his like first film. this was the thing that like made him, yeah. Back in 1998. So. Well,
0: I, I heard that he actually wanted to direct I Know What You Did last summer. And he actually filmed the trailer for it. But the role went, directing role went to someone else. And so he kind of got this as a um sweetener, I guess.
1: Oh, oh, blanks uh, yeah. for directing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, for... Yeah, Jamie Blanks did yeah, the original like kind of teaser thing for, it, and they're like, "Yeah, this is great," but we already hired another director.
0: Yeah.
1: Consolation prize, which to me, it's a better consolation prize. Agree,
0: wholeheartedly agree. I think it's yeah. a much better film than I Know What You Did Last Summer. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I Happy don't, I don't
1: really ever. Yeah, I don't really ever think about it. I Know What You Did Last Summer i rarely think about the sequel and i know there's a third one but i haven't seen it
0: Mm, yeah same uh
1: but yeah i think like this this made a lot of money right a 14 million dollar budget i think worldwide it hit around 70 70 or 75 million um that's not bad but there's one thing about this movie that when I saw how much the budget was, confused me. How on this campus is there one security guard, (laughs) the dean...
0: Oh, the worst dean ever.
1: (laughs) Oh, exactly. And then uh, one professor, Mm. I guess, and I don't really know. You you see a few other students in the movie. Mm. That is it. There are no real other authority figures in this movie.
0: And the ones that there, of course, let them down profoundly um, Mm. because this dean, he is the worst dean. He is just, you know, when when all the killings start and we'll back up and sort of set the scene in a second. But yeah, when these killings start, he just cares about covering it up and protecting the reputation of the school. And when concerns are raised, you know, he refuses to increase the amount of security on the campus and all the rest of it. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's said at this um it's said at this university Pendleton, and it's the 25th anniversary of the University Stanley Hall massacre, which pretty much goes unexplored in the film. And I am just desperate to hear more about this massacre um, and this tragedy that happened at the university. And more importantly, how Professor Wexler, who we've already talked about, is played by uh, Robert Englund, is the sole survivor of that massacre. And none of this gets explored at all in the film. And I, I think there are sequels, which I haven't seen, I don't know. Yeah, it never, it
1: never. So, it never gets explored. Final Cut, which is the second one, is just it doesn't it doesn't get explored. But they do a callback towards to the first one, to be like it takes place in the same universe. It's like no, no, doesn't work. And then <laughs> Bloody enough. Mary, which was the stri- the straight to video one in two thousand and five, uh, that was a supernatural one that actually dealt with the whole Bloody Mary type thing maybe it was that it was some sort of weird thing that was just supernatural less about I don't know I didn't watch it so (laughs) I I don't really know too much about it except it didn't deal with the whole original urban legend concept but apparently they are remaking not remaking this film but they are continuing or I guess kind of rebooting the franchise and we get we get one of the characters back. Oh. Our our uh, main reveal character who we'll talk about later <laughs> in here is coming back. Nice. In this after in the best part is it's been 22 years. By the time the film is made, it will be 25 years. <sighs> Just like the massacre which is never really explained it's kind of, so we get a little bit of we get a little bit of explanation these breadcrumbs that are sprinkled throughout that there's another story there's another plot going on it's it makes it kind of like a world that's lived in but at the same time every thread feels like it goes somewhere that we should be exploring and we just never fully do mm. Uh, But that that was that was one of them, especially because you had mentioned that we never we never really know as much about the Stanley Hall massacre, except Wexler was a survivor. We never get an explanation from Wexler because there's no time to get an explanation from Wexler. And the dean wants to cover that up. It's been something that's been covered up now for 25 years.
0: Yeah. And then that part of the university, you know, it's, it's, it's abandoned, it's standing vacant, it's boarded up mm-hmm. and nobody goes there, nobody uses it. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it's 25 years since the massacre happened. And to mark the occasion, frat, frat parties are popping up all over the campus. And uh, of course, the time is ripe. And these uh, killings start again. And yeah, there's, there's someone wearing a Parker coat, as you mentioned, like a, um, an old sort of fashion Parker coat, running around the campus, um, killing students based on age old urban legends. Um, and it's our lead character, Natalie, who is the first to notice the pattern. And of course, nobody believes her um, and her friends start getting picked off one by one. And, and, you know, we know it's only a matter of time before Natalie's own head is on the chopping block. So there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun. These friends getting picked off, you know, the really creative kills. What was your favorite? Which was your favorite kill?
1: Oh, man. Um. so as far as creative kills cuz some of them kind of like when we get to later into the film feel a little rushed we have a little bit more setup in the beginning for some of them i think as far as being just uncomfortable the the dean's death sticks out in my mind because we're dealing with a couple of different things we're dealing with like the slasher under the car He also looks in the back seat because of that urban legend, which now we're realizing this Dean's like, he knows that all this shit happened. It's all covered. He's covering up all this stuff. So he gets his ankles slashed, and then the car running over him into the spikes. It's (laughs) just like, it's absolutely brutal. What's your favorite?
0: Um, Look, I quite like when Damon gets killed, who is Josh, he's played by Joshua Jackson. So he yep. takes, he takes Natalie out, um, for a drive in his car to the woods late at night. He,
1: he is such a, he is such a piece of shit, by the way. <laughs> like...
0: I mean, he's a real prankster. He's playing like jokes on people and he sits Natalie in this car and he is serving her up the worst lines, like pick up hit, hit lines. It's just terrible. And he's, might I add, sporting this really horrendous um, blonde, bottled blonde dye job. Like, it's like a bad m M&M, and And he just, he also deserves to die just for that hairdo. So anyway, he's putting the, he's putting the lines on Natalie. Um, she's not buying any of it, thankfully. And he excuses himself to go and, you know, have a wee and leaves the car. And Natalie's sort of sat in the car and she starts to hear the thud, thud, thud on the roof of the car, and we all know this story, don't we? Anyway, she sort of looks out, and, uh, of course, there's um, Joshua Jackson's character, Damon, strung up, hanging, Um, in a tree, and he's rigged up in such a fashion that if Natalie puts her foot on the accelerator of the car, he's hoisted further up into the tree, and the real strangulation starts, which, of course, she does. (laughs) And, uh, in effect, I liked it, because she, in effect, Mm -hmm. killed him. And I thought that was really clever. So, you know, I thought um, that was pretty pretty cool. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I like that one a lot. Uh, It's man there's well we'll get back to that death in a second too because we'll go through how we how we lead up to that um but there's some good moments in that car scene where it makes me like natalie as a character but at the same time there's not much to natalie they're really i mean there's a backstory in the hidden secret but these are pretty much all one note characters there's no real depth to them but in this case you know, it's a ninety-nine minute movie. You're not really going to get a lot of that in it, but you do get some. You get some fun kills and and just some good tense moments in that whole whodunit. Like it, they really they do throw guessing. in. Yeah, mm. they throw in some stuff where you're like.
0: A lot of red herrings. Um, Oh, my
1: God, all over the place, yeah. But I
0: do want to go back to Natalie. And I agree, she's not that likable a lead. You know, I don't think she has a strong point of view here. I do actually think they build quite a lot of sympathy for the villain, um, which we'll talk about later. But, you know, Natalie's got really poor judgment. She's, you know, not that loyal to her friends. You know, she's kissing um boys who her friends tell her that they have romantic interest in and you know she's as you mentioned she's got this sort of dark secret as well um so yeah not 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 the um best sort of judgment there um and yeah I do think they they do really keep you guessing with who did it in this film. Um, You know, they hint a lot towards in the beginning, I was sort of suspicious of Jared Leto's character. So he's this over, he's really her main sidekick, I would say. And he is this over ambitious um, university journalist. And I don't know about you, Rob, but I was sort of suspicious on him. I was thinking, oh, is he doing the murders so that he could get the scoop? you know for his career
1: (laughs) he gets called i mean that gets called out parker calls it out at one point um with him and it it you know it made sense he everything he he threw out there calling out um what's jared uh, paul jared Leto's character it it made sense it was like oh yeah this could totally be the guy but you just called it out
0: Mm, so so we know it's not (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, maybe not. That it could have been someone True. guessed it, and they they got it exactly right when they were drunk. Because he's at a frat party and drunk when he's saying all of this, and it's like you you could have nailed it, and just but nope. <laughs> That's, and one, they all, that's one person out of the way. Yeah, and
0: then they also um, hint a lot towards, obviously, Professor Wexler, who is the psychology professor on campus and an urban legend expert. And at the start of the film, he is giving a very knowledgeable talk on urban legends. And, you know, I really just wanted to hear more of that lecture. Um, but, you know, um, there's a lot hinting towards him as well, isn't there?
1: Yeah, yeah. The killer upstairs is what he... He starts with it's you know, the babysitter uh and, and the and the killer upstairs and the phone call and everything. Yeah, he he definitely has this vibe where it's like he could be, but automatically I'm like, nope, there's no way that he's gonna be our killer. Mainly due to the fact that the more we found out about this troubled past of his, the more it seemed like, no, you you're building this guy to be something that mm. I don't think he's going to be. He's mm. the easiest person to frame. Yeah, He's by far the easiest to frame.
0: And they kind of do try to do that because mm-hmm. at one point in the film the kids creep into his office and it's completely turned over. There's blood everywhere and Wexler's gone. And it's a great um, thing in that scene, actually, where if you sort of um, pause in the closet, there's a, a Freddy Krueger puppet. <laughs> I yep. don't know if you saw but that. Was, yep. That made me laugh. Um, I, I
1: think when they go in earlier, they have not ransacked. That's Loretta Devine comes in when it's ransacked yeah. and there's blood on the yeah. floor. Earlier, they go in and they see that there's an axe And they see that there's the the parka and that's what she sees first. And it's like a, a, you know, it's one of these secret rooms almost that's there. So she is super suspicious. And we know when they, he catches them in there and is like, what, what's going on? And then, you know, they say to the Dean, like, Hey, we think this is what's happening. We think, you know, maybe he's involved with it. He's like, look, these are the props that I use every single year what's going on and then they mention the whole Stanley Hall thing he gets this look on his face the dean is pretty much just like everyone out of here and then just you know lays it into uh to Natalie and Paul um pretty much banning them from a lot of stuff and we find out that uh Natalie Natalie knew um Michelle Mancini who who was decapitated
0: the, opening, they, scene, the, chicken, the
1: yep. opening scene, the chick in the opening scene. They they knew each other from high school. They were actually best friends. Yeah. And hadn't you know, spoken to each other in two years because of an event. Uh, <laughs> let's, you know, that whole, an urban legend event, actually.
0: That's right. That's right. So, like, um, you know, turns out Natalie's out on probation, and uh, she you know while in high school with michelle reenacted an urban legend herself um her and michelle were driving around uh the roads with the headlights off and the first driver who flashed them to you know, let them know that they had their headlights off, they decided to chase. And while it was unintentional, they actually did end up causing the death of this other driver. So, yeah, Natalie's out on probation for that. And and she did that with Michelle, who was in the opening scene um, of the Mm -hmm. film. So that's this great little plot twist, um, you know, and and again, sort of adds to this um, character of Natalie who, personally, you know, I don't feel that much, um, empathy for, um, so yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, I think the idea is that, you know, Natalie goes from this character who didn't know how to defend herself or stop something from happening. And you see, you know, you find that out in her backstory. She's like, I should have, you know, I tried, wanted, I wanted to say something, but I didn't. And this is what happened. And you can see that that's kind of the person who she is now, because when Joshua Jackson's character tries to make a move on her in the car, she straight up just punches him in the eye. <laughs> like, without hesitation. And that, to me, was like, yeah, that's awesome. Mm. And he's like, Oh, okay, fine. Then he tries to hit on her again. She's just like, do you want to make that, you know, do you want one <laughs> black eye or two? Because she was just ready to pop him again and then that's when you know he goes out to to pee mm. and uh meets his end essentially
0: mm. yeah but, oh,
1: man that was uh <laughs>
0: I quite liked the um uh what's the other kill that I quite liked so um, and also a bit of a red herring you know the friend parker you know and I thought it yeah. was very clever calling him parker considering the killer is running around campus wearing a parker coat i was you know th- sort of thought that was a bit of a um they were trying to hint there but um, at the start at the start of the film professor wexler in talks about an american urban legend and i don't know there's some kid some kid on TV, I'm not familiar with this. Some um, I don't know, Rob, maybe.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. so, okay, yeah, the Mikey thing. Yeah,
0: what's all right, that all so,
1: about? So with this, um, Mikey was the the kid from the Life Cereal commercials back in the 80s, and Mikey wouldn't eat anything, but the, he would eat Life Cereal, and they're like, Mikey likes it. Uh, Or no, wait, was it give it to Mikey, he'll eat anything? I don't know, that's what it was. Give it to Mikey, he'll eat anything. Mikey likes it, boom. Life cereal, that type of thing. So the idea behind it was that Mikey had Pop Rocks and soda, and that combination caused his intestines to explode. And that's why we never saw him really again afterwards. But that's not true. He was just like a child star who grew up, and then they talk about whatever career he has now.
0: Yeah. And so sort of at the start of the film, Professor Wex- in Professor Wexler's lecture, he tries to get some of the students to reenact this experiment and asks one of them to um, eat some Pop Rocks and drink some soda. And, you know, they refuse. But of course, um, Joshua Jackson's character comes down and says, I'll do it. And he does it. And then he like puts on this big show, doesn't he, and pretends to die. But of course, it's oh all God, just a yeah. joke. However, um, there's a callback to that um, moment later in the film with Parker's death. So, um, we'll talk about what pre- sort of procedures. It's the only kill that actually legitimately upset me. But um, yep,
1: that's the kill that upsets <laughs> any person with a heart.
0: <laughs> but um, Parker ends up um, being killed because the killer you know, chases him around a house at his frat party, shoves the pot rocks down his throat and then pours chemicals down his throat as well. So, yes, he legitimately does die from that. But um, before that, yes, is the saddest kill. Um, And there's that that other story, um, old woman dries wet dog in microwave. microwave. And um, poor Parker, before he gets killed himself, you know, does go down. Um, to I don't know use the microwave or something and when he opens it up
1: it's just uh so he gets he gets a call on the phone from the killer and it's coming from inside the house so we get the killer from inside the house thing because it's Damon's number Damon has disappeared everyone thinks that he's gone off for a ski boarding weekend because that's what he was gonna do he even said that's what he was gonna do it kind of set it up for him to disappear and he's a prankster so it's so easy like, oh, yeah, he has these prop dummies that he uses for something. That's probably what you saw, type situation. So you're thinking, you know, it just sets it up to make him believe that, oh, okay, that's what's going on upstairs. He's like, so let me know, or let me guess that's what this prank is. And you're watching him walk from the kitchen. Now, I looked in the microwave. The microwave is already on. There's something in the microwave, but it's not moving. It's on its side and it's not moving. So I'm thinking, dog was already dead at this point Mm -hmm. before it went in there because the thing he wasn't trying to get out right so then you go he he walks back and then he goes upstairs walking past it again and it's still on that same thing is not moved from the microwave still in the same position in there microwave is on and he goes upstairs Mm -hmm. and he goes oh let me guess this is about like the killer in uh it's coming from inside the house or this, that or the other. And it's the voice is like, no, it's about the old lady who tries to dry the wet dog in the microwave. And the microwave goes off mm. and he just runs down the stairs and panics and he opens it. And I like I like the shot. I don't like the results, but you get when he opens it, it's a shot from inside the microwave like if the microwave were way larger than it really is and just pushing through and you see blood and guts just dripping down and a carcass and a little bit of fur and you're like oh no
0: you know kill as many annoying teenagers as you like and i'm not fussed but kill a dog Mm -hmm. and i'm bawling like a baby (laughs) i was like no and as
1: As terrible as it is it's still and i i'm not You know, usually when they kill a dog in a movie, it's something that you see and they try and, like, stretch it out sometimes. And it's like, guys, what are you doing? Stop doing that. That's terrible. You know, no one wants to really see that. But in this case, you didn't really see anything. And even when I watch back in the microwave, I'm like, nothing's moving in the microwave. So I don't don't feel as bad. And it makes me think that it was already dead. Or I'm hoping that it was a switch out and that the killer didn't do that but i think the killer did because the killer is a lunatic
0: completely uh, unhinged completely unhinged completely unhinged I, I think there's one other notable kill um and that's the roommate tosh
1: danielle harris so we're talking about a scream queen legend so halloween four and five jamie lloyd uh, she's also been in the hatchet series uh, as mary beth took over it is that character for part 2 and 3. So yeah, she she had a huge resurgence actually. This was her film, I think this was the movie that brought her back after having a a stalker after she was wow. doing a uh, Halloween 4 and 5. So it was good to see her back in the horror scene with this film. But yeah, she's uh she plays a goth girl who's meeting guys on goth chat rooms. And having a lot of loud sex. People are. This is a very sex-friendly campus. Uh, Alicia Witt, uh, which is Natalie, has to has to deal with that on a regular basis. But it's just like headphones on, everything's okay. Mm. So, and then you know you have Sasha doing her uh, her show. So there's a lot of that going on with it as well. But with with oh my gosh, with Daniel Harris's character i love what leads up to that kill of she meets someone on the chat room and it's where are you i'm very close mm-hmm. okay what room are you in i'm gonna or i'm gonna go freshen up what room are you in she goes and walks out comes back in and blinking on that screen it just says yours <laughs> great <Grapey. laughs> Uh, But she doesn't have time to register any of that, because next thing you know, she's being attacked by the killer and strangled. Um, And that's when, you know, Natalie's coming back home. But (laughs) someone in the hall is like, hey, so it seems like Elvira is trying to wake the dead. So she's like, oh, thanks for the warning. And they hear, you know, her saying that down the hall. So the killer just hits out the power strip, which conveniently turns off all the lights, which is great. And then, you know, Alicia Witt comes in, almost turns the lights on, doesn't, and is like, oh, sorry. This girl's being murdered behind her (laughs) on the bed, but it just sounds like very rough, very angry sex. And yeah, yeah, so she goes to bed, and it just seems like everything is okay, I guess. Mm -hmm. She she wakes up. up, And she gets out of bed, she looks super refreshed, and she she looks over, and there's a pool of blood on the floor. Yeah. She's freaking out. She pulls the sheet back, and, yeah, it's Tosh. Wrists are slit. Blood is everywhere. And the big reveal, the great reveal is we see it before she sees it, and it's awesome is that she turns around, and written on the opposite wall in blood is, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light?
0: Oh <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> so it. good. <laughs> Chilling.
1: That's oh, yeah. that's the stuff that makes this film is that it's yeah. like it's these individual deaths that work as a whole, yeah, it, it has flaws. I think the ending is definitely seems like it's kind of thrown together. Mm. But at the same time, uh in the killer reveal, I'm like, oh you just your switch just flipped and i can kind of see no. the seeds that lead to certain yeah. things happening
0: yeah but i think but... the first of all, first of all like you know after sort of all these killings um they end up in the car somehow don't they um natalie and her best friend brenda end up in the day de- uh with sorry paul jared leto's character yeah. and so of course they're driving they they have to stop for gas don't they And, um, somehow the girls get out of the car and they look in the boot and inside is the corpse of Professor Wexler, who at this point they were all certain was behind the killings. So, um... They sort of run off into the night, don't they? They leave Paul at the gas station. They run off into the woods into the night, trying to find their way back to the university campus. And, of course, Leto is, like, fast on their heels. Um, And the girls get separated um, as they're running through the woods. And Natalie makes it back to the campus, and while she's passing Stanley Hall, the site of the massacre twenty-five years earlier, she hears Brenda's screams from inside, mm-hmm. um, and she goes inside and makes some discoveries, doesn't she, Rob?
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's where. So, so yeah, we should do this because then we can get the killer out of the way, so then we can go back into some of the into some of the fun stuff on how it all kind of tied together. So she goes into into the hall you know into into stanley hall it's been abandoned you know she's hearing this screaming she goes up and she sees brenda on this bed little blood from the side of her mouth doesn't she, go and check on her she doesn't check on her at all doesn't check to see if she's okay i think she, she assumes
0: just... she's dead because there are corpses all of her friends all around this house i think she just assumes brenda's dead right
1: yeah, I mean I guess, but at the same time she's just there's a bed and there's a little bit of you would you would maybe go over you just heard her scream maybe she's alive maybe she got knocked out. No, she just goes turns <laughs> her back to her and sits down. And Brenda whose hair it now looks <gasps> absolutely insane. By the way, it's Rebecca Gayhart who plays Brenda yes. in this. Uh she's the the Neutrogena girl. Um was it Neutrogena or Noxema? Not sure. She was one of them. Uh, Anyway, she ended up. What is now? I have to know. So she,
0: she, 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 yeah. She
1: she was the Noxima girl because they make a joke about that uh, at the end of the movie where they're like, I heard she grew up and did this.
0: See, I didn't get that reference. Obviously, you know, wasn't subjected to that advertising, not being from the US. um, So that was lost on me, I'm afraid.
1: Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was the Noxema girl back in the early '90s. She she is revealed to be our killer. Yeah, she and, knocks
0: Natalie unconscious, doesn't she? Like Natalie just sort of turns, like you say, turns her back on her, and then moments later she is walking about and you know knocks her over the back of the head, and
1: she just and- punches her in the face. She's straight up. It's like oh, is it
0: in the face? She, oh. oh, she
1: sits. She sits up, and then wham, right in the head. <laughs> Because she had already like when she escaped and everything, she had gotten in this truck with our with our janitor guy. And then we think he might be the killer because there's a parka in the back of his truck. <laughs> and so she's freaking out and wanting to get out. But then all of a sudden, there's another car there uh, that's coming after them. And you no, not coming after them, but the headlights are off. And he's like, oh, these kids with their headlights. And she's like, no, don't do it. Even if he didn't, I'm pretty sure that car would have come after him anyway, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they, yeah, they get into a car crash. He dies immediately. So we have a weird janitor gets into a crash and dies trying to help a girl, but she's freaked out because he's weird. <laughs> Brutal. So, he dies. so he dies because he dies because he's weird and tries to help.
0: Mm, heartless.
1: Yeah these characters these main characters are the worst they're terrible people uh yeah so we get this reveal that rebecca Gayhart is the the actual killer in this and she's been doing this for a reason and the reason that she's been doing this was that it was her boyfriend slash fiance who they ended up killing back yeah Two years earlier with the uh, car crash.
0: That's right. So she's avenging her fiance. And I think, you know, that's a very credible motive. I, I liked that. I thought that was, you know, a great reveal.
1: To a point, I think the way she just like flipped on a dime though and went from being her best friend and everything seemed normal. She was definitely baiting her throughout. There were certain moments where she says, oh, it's okay that you and uh, Paul kissed. Like, I'm not really upset. Cause She had a huge crush on Paul, right? So when she sees them kiss, she's drunk. They're all at the party. That's when we get Parker's death and the dog. And I think at that point, that's when she kind of had a... She snapped again because this guy who she liked, it wasn't... it. You know, all she's of a gonna, sudden, yeah. this girl...
0: She's yes. moving in, she's moving in, and once again will be responsible for taking uh, uh, her love away from her. Right. So, you know, but I think, I think, yes, they did an excellent job of keeping you guessing. Um, but I do think some experienced horror viewers might pick her as the killer slightly earlier on simply because it does get revealed that her surname is Bates, as in Norman Bates from Psycho. And also there's a bit of a physical transformation that starts happening with her. So she starts off the film with this really straight hair and it becomes increasingly unruly and wild and she naturally has this really curly frizzy hair and by the end it's just everywhere Um, but also there were just a couple of shots um, extreme close-up shots on her I think maybe two-thirds of the way through the film where you know they go really close in on her eyes and there's just a look about her her eyes are just a little bit too piercing and her teeth suddenly just she's bearing them and they just look a little bit too sharp and I did at that point start to get a bit of an uneasy feeling about Brenda um, yeah. and, and she was really a background character who I, who I hadn't identified as a possible killer until that point that it didn't make her, it didn't make me think that she was definitely the killer, but it was enough to just then bring her into my consciousness more as a character. So, yeah.
1: I mean, I, I think that's kind of, I mean, that works pretty well because it, it puts everybody a little bit as, you know, this person could be the killer and not everybody could be the killer like you know we got paul could potentially be the killer brenda which we find out is parker never in my mind does that cross my mind that michael rosenbaum could be the killer in this it's not one where i'm like yeah he he could be um joshua jackson's character Mm. We see what we see is what we see, but that doesn't always mean that that's what happens. So there was part of me wondering if there was some weird elaborate prank, or if there was a second killer. Yeah. Because I was thinking that there 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 might be a second killer on top of it. Um,
0: I agree, because how the hell did she get those full grown men and boys? hoisted up into trees into closets and when you come in i mean maybe i imagined this and i you've seen this many more times than me but when natalie does walk into stanley hall he's hanging there and he just looks like he's got a bit of a smile on his face and i don't know if that was intentional or not you know um yeah
1: i was waiting for him to break character and just like be alive or something and then there's some reveal that he's somehow involved in it yeah, something seemed off, and at first I was wondering, okay, are they are they doing a very, very weird version of April Fool's Day? Like, are they going, I don't know how. They can't, really, because there's real deaths that are actually happening, but there was something that just seemed off um, with that reveal. Also, when we see Parker fall backwards, I swear I see him breathe. Maybe that's bubbles of that stuff pushing out mm-hmm. through his neck, but I swear... He ended up breathing in that moment. Maybe this three. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, his was nasty though, because when Parker died too, he ended up getting a funnel shoved down his throat. So that thing was like pushed down, scraping his throat and everything. So blood, he's choking up blood. The pop rocks went in, but then yeah, uh, like a Draino, a blue drain cleaner was shoved in there as well. So you have those blue pop rocks, this blue fluid, and that's savage. Yeah, just liquefied his insides and stuff. Oof.
0: He's not coming back.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. It's very much not. Um, but we get we get this reveal of of Brenda being the killer, and she's going to pull the kidney heist mm. on Natalie at first, but then and they they go further with this than I thought. I mean, she stabs her. And she pokes in at least twice and starts dragging on that second time. And she's like, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to find whatever organ's there and just yank. I'm just going to yep. take an organ out of you. So gross. Oh. And then Loretta Divine shows up and <laughs> kind, of, kind of the rent a cop saves the day. Yeah. Which is amazing because she's so, so Loretta Devine is a national treasure. And the reason is, She's watching, like, these old Foxy Brown uh, films from back in the day. And that's where she has that, like, oh, who Pam Greer, right? Yes, So they're the old Pam Greer films. And it's just awesome because you're like, this character's, this character's great. She's just cool. She's got this really soft. She's super soft-spoken. Uh, but when it comes down to it at the end, she's like. Kick-ass. But then, you know, she does get injured, but doesn't die. So she survives, which is awesome. One of the few survivors of this movie. Yeah. Very few survivors of this movie.
0: Yeah. Um, and in this and in this struggle, like Paul comes in as well. Doesn't he? Jared Leto's character appears on the scene too whilst this big struggle um, with the cops going on. Um but uh I yeah. think yeah, N- 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 Natalie manages to somehow get the cop's gun, doesn't she?
1: Yeah, and it's like before that, we, you know, because the whole idea is Brenda says that she's going to build this life with Paul. Paul will win as Pulitzer, and they'll be happy, you know, happily ever after. And, you know, she's going to blame it all on Wexler because it makes sense because of the 25th anniversary thing. So it's like, all right, well, I guess that's that is pretty simple, but all right. And then Paul walks in, and then Paul's like, yeah, that does sound really good. I think we <laughs> should go along with that. You know, how about you just give me the gun? Um, but yeah, let's totally do this. And there's that moment where you're like, man, this is too easy. Is she really going to kind of like give into this? And she does the whole, oh, you're cute, Paul, but you're not that cute. <laughs> and then straight up is like, well, you found me out, so I'm going to kill you too. Mm. Mm. Like, just
0: disposes of him and any affection for him instantaneously
1: <laughs> immediately it was just you know at this point there's obviously there's something severely wrong with her and we you know we didn't even talk about the death of Tara Reed's character like oh. she, she gets killed on the air um, and that ha- you know they're listening to what was it Love Roller Coaster or something like that is mm-hmm. playing and this one guy's like did you know that the scream in that is from a real 911 call and i think alicia witt character is there and she's like "Uh huh, okay great <laughs> don't <laughs> care and he's like yeah that's what makes it so realistic sounding because it's a real scream isn't that great? <laughs> and then as tara reed is being murdered on the air he's like oh man that's chilling that gave me goosebumps
0: i know he thinks it's some performance art or something <laughs> he- He totally
1: thinks it's, yeah, it's totally not.
0: Tara Reid has legitimately legitimately been chased into a corner in the radio station and is being axed live on air and the whole campus is listening in. So, yeah, great cue as As, well.
1: Yeah, as she gets hacked up and then some little vocal thing just goes on loop a little bit. So somehow messing, hitting her and chopping up her headset caused it to loop and kind of say (laughs) her name a little bit. Uh, and kind of give an idea of what her fate is because it does cut off and is chopped and i guess so is she yeah
0: absolutely yeah oh Terrible. man poor tara yeah but, but she over, was, i mean like i i liked her character because she was you know unapologetically sexy and um taking the Pierce out of all of the students on campus they're calling in with their sexual issues and asking for advice, and she's sort of stimulating you know fellatio as she talks to them um you know yeah. live on air and she's just a pretty funny character but yeah she had to yeah this up.
1: this was like this is probably her best role because it was just it just seemed like she was having fun yeah. but it wasn't one of these where it was like trying to I don't know. Once she hit like the American Pie films, it was like over sexualization Mm. because that's what those films were. But in this case, it was like I don't know. It just seemed it it, to me. It just seemed like the best movie she's done. It
0: was funny.
1: Probably because it it is the best movie she's done.
0: Yeah, 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 probably. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was very self-aware the way they were doing it, and it was very funny the way they were doing it. So um, yeah, it, it was also a really good kill. You're right. Um, but yeah, so I thought that the harsh, one of the really harsh things in this closing scene was, you know, um, once Brenda, she, she gets control of the, I'm sorry, Natalie gets control of the gun. Uh, she, she shoots, she shoots Brenda, doesn't she? And Brenda flies out of a window, like we, Halloween we style. Th-
1: we think Brenda's been shot because we never see a bullet hole. So we never see point of impact. We never see blood spray out of her. All we see is the gun go off, window break, and her kind of fall out Mm -hmm. behind it. Now, it could have probably just grazed her. Mm -hmm. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, if... I I don't think Natalie... First time using a gun is going to be, you know, point blank, dead (laughs) aim when she just had someone stabbing into her. Pretty sure she's going to be nervous and shaking, especially when Jared Leto was shaking his hands when he's trying to unlock this door. And that's when she's thinking he might be the killer. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why would the killer be his hands be shaking? I don't know of any killers who were like, oh, my gosh, I'm so nervous to do this. I've killed like 20 people. But who every time nerves. I agree.
0: No, I agree. It's not that not that plausible, Um, but um, anyway, she does fall out of the window. And this is what I thought was really harsh: is that Natalie and Paul run over to Reese, the cop, and they're like, "You wait here. We're going to go and get help. We think." we think the killer's dead, but, you know, we're going to take the car and just leave you here. And she's bleeding out all over the floor. And, uh, yeah, they, the, the, the two of them sort of get in the car and they're, like, driving to get help. And then they start going, oh, you know, this could turn into an urban legend. And Paul says something to the effect of, you know, well, if it was an urban legend, then what would be the twist?
1: Yeah, and then we get we get uh, her popping up behind with the axe because they didn't check the back seat.
0: And it comes full circle, you know? It's great. It, it comes full it circle back to the start of the film.
1: Do you know what saved their lives in this movie, though? What? Paul's shitty driving.
0: <laughs> Off the bridge.
1: He just... he Because, you know, we have... Brenda's attacking with the axe uh knocks down natalie natalie is on like the the floor of the car the back seats of the car she's about to hit her and kill her with the axe when paul can't drive straight on a bridge <laughs> and drives into the side of it at a very high speed and it causes uh brenda to fly through the windshield and into the water below looking seemingly dead but we don't really know we just kind of see her float away here's here's where yeah this is where it seemed weird and i feel like they tried to explain it with a couple of lines but it doesn't explain everything they drove off they said that they asked about um about loretta Devine's character and then they said oh they already have her like the ambulance is there. So Reese is going to be okay. So she's already fine. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? Oh, wait, you have a dead body in the back of your car. Mm -hmm. You have Wexler in your car Mm. because it was in his, right? Mm -hmm. So they cops had to have shown up. Someone had to have shown up. They had to have checked the body. How are they driving off together? This is there. There are moments of this that I'm not understanding. Mm. The timeline. Uh, mm. There's there's a and lot this... of holes in this film when you try and really go that way to mm. it. Is it fun? Yes, but all of it kind of gets explained away because we find out what we've been hearing is a story that was being told by someone at a campus, That's or maybe right. not even that. But we're hearing the events later on retold. So, mm. which what kind we of saw... yeah
0: may not have been exactly so like there's this this final final scene where um you know like all good villains brenda turns back up you know um in the closing um and she's on another campus uh she's some kids trying to tell the story of 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 their story, to be honest, mm-hmm. as an urban legend, and she interrupts him and says, "No, no, 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 that's not right. This is how it goes." And then, yeah, she she tells their story, um, with the correct facts as as an urban yeah. legend. So, yeah, has has what we've been watching been the telling of that other kid? Um, who knows? But I th- I thought it was fun, you know. I thought it was a fun closing. Yes, I agree. There are lots of holes some of the sequencing and the timing doesn't make absolute mm-hmm. sense. Um but I think that could be used as their get out of jail card um for that.
1: I mean to me it works. It worked in high tension and that people hate high t- for its ending. But I feel I love like high
0: who t- t- okay. high tension?
1: People don't like people don't like the ending though because of the twist, but people don't understand that what we're being told, by the way, everyone spoilers for high tension. That the whole idea of it being her is the killer, the story we've been told, if you have to pay I don't understand because i talked narrator. to the Yeah. Right. But they don't under they don't for they don't remember that she's the narrator because in the beginning she says she's gonna tell them everything for this story. That's when the movie begins. We get it from her point of view the entire time. So by the end of it, it's still her story. People are just seeing it as like, oh, we're just watching a slasher and they seem to forget about the fact that we're meeting this character post all of these events mm. and she's giving her side of it. So we're seeing her side of it. And then we're getting the real side of it that shows the truth of the situation. Mm. And I think that was the biggest issue people had with high tension.
0: Right.
1: But they don't, they didn't put two and two together of the idea of the unreliable narrator because it's not hammered into your head over <laughs> and over and over with like, Ten scenes showing you how it was all mm. tied together, and yeah, how like it was the montage
0: <laughs> they need the montage we,
1: and we get a minor montage, like very minor showing her do the kills in uh in that film in high tension, but we don't get that over explanation of why all that was done and why it's unreliable narration
0: and I think European films rob like with respect, don't really do that as much as American films. Like I find that American yeah. horror films, um, do hammer things home. They are much more on the nose and overt about explaining things. Whereas European films, they are quite happy for the audience to go away and do some thinking for themselves.
1: Absolutely. Now it's spoon fed Hollywood. And that's the issue is that, you know, the Hollywood machine feels that the American audiences are stupid and that they're not going to be able to think. So you see a lot of independent horror come out that's more, you know, of a thinking person's horror type film, and it gets beloved a lot of the time. And even high tension, a lot of people love it. They just don't like the twist as much because of how the story was going, you know. Uh, but then there's some people who just don't understand the twist still, and I'm like, all right, that's fine. We I, don't I talk don't... to them. <laughs> right well it's also people who don't like subtitled horror films I understand that there's some people who don't want to do the whole subtitle thing but I prefer it because it creates a better experience atmospherically for that film I don't want to hear someone do a dub of someone's voice and try and act scared It sounds yeah it just doesn't work
0: yeah I agree Um, wholeheartedly absolutely but no you know for me I think, you know, no, it's not serious, no, it's not perfect, it has its flaws, but if you love 90s teen slasher flicks, if you love popcorn slasher flicks, like Valentine, like Cherry Falls, like Final Destination, you know, I think... You'll enjoy this one. Um, I think it has everything I want. Anyway, I, I think it has everything I want in a slasher in that it's funny, it's got an interesting concept and creative kills, and it has, you know, these great cameos from our slasher, you know, favorite slasher mm-hmm. films. So lots to love about it. I mean, what more could you want? So for me, yeah, it's a big thumbs up.
1: Yeah, uh, for me, it's a huge thumbs up too. It's a movie I grew up on. It's one that I really enjoy. And its I'm really glad you brought up Cherry Falls. I love Cherry Falls. (laughs) Okay, in in the States, not many people know this film because it was straight to video around the year 2000. And it got lost in the shuffle because we had hit a glut of slasher films. Uh, Valentine, I think, had come out around 2000, 2001 or something like that. We kept having all of these themed out slashers that had been around four years after Scream, It gets tired after a while. It was the same in the 80s once, you know, you had Friday the 13th, but by the time you're hitting 1984, 1985, people were like, come on, we want something new, not the same old, same old. Cherry Falls is not the same old, same old. Uh, but it did get buried in the states. Mm. Uh, I think it's a Canadian horror film, so I'm I'm pretty sure it did much better over there. Mm. Uh, but that one, yeah, know Cherry Falls is great, and that's the same type of thing. I feel like it it fits in the same realm as that type of movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Perhaps one to revisit later. <laughs> oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely. That one's that was that was a great one because that's one I remember. Uh, a couple of my friends and I would tell people about because i heard about it from someone who was like you have to see this movie mm. i was like i've never even heard of it and this was back in right after it came out yeah. about a year after it came out and i was like i don't even know what this is they're like no 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 no! you have to see it it's awesome i'm telling yeah. you i'm like oh it's straight to video come on man it can't be that good i was so wrong it is great
0: straight to video could mean it's brilliant rob you know
1: i mean <laughs> not getting shown the- it's,
0: not, it's not uncommon for horrors not to get shown you know um in that's cinemas true. for writing reasons and commercial reasons you know so
1: but, I- but usually when we in the 90s when we were going off of straight to video stuff you had some things like full moon entertainment you could trust certain production companies for a type of movie that you're gonna get if i knew what i was gonna get if i rented something that was by vidmark you know like when i rented movies like night of the demons 2 that's a great straight to video movie how i don't know had a high budget all things considered like one and a half million for that but that's high all things you know considered for a film that the original cost way less than that Mm -hmm. um so some of those were good but then you get into horror sequels right and that is usually the problem where straight to video became an issue you had Mm -hmm. leprechaun three and four you had hellraiser five through eight and then some, with all the reboots that they've done from there. And occasionally you'll get a diamond in the rough, but I feel like films like that kind of uh, put a damper on it. And there were a bunch of movies that came out in the early 2000s that were like these monster films, There were these straight-to-video, low-budget, schlocky... I don't know. It, yeah,
0: that's fair. And, you know, yeah. that's why... Uh... You know we need the experienced horror viewers to sort the wheat from the chaff, yeah. and where I guess you know awesome podcasts like this one exist, you know
1: <laughs> uh well, yeah, hope hopefully that's why <laughs> i I try to I've tried to find some good stuff over the years. I actually did watch some good stuff recently that I hadn't seen where I was like, "How did I miss this?" Um, if you haven't seen altered states, you should watch altered states.
0: I haven't seen that.
1: It's William Hurt's first movie, first feature role. Um, I just watched that for the first time. That movie, oh, that, I don't even, it's all over the place, but it's great. Um, But yeah, like, as far as as the slasher stuff goes from the 90s, I would say Urban Legend is vastly underrated, way better. Yeah, it's good for just, like, you're going to hang out with people and watch some goofy slasher stuff it's totally competent for the 90s it's funny it actually works better now because you can see how people's careers have kind of progressed and to see where they started and you get horror legends and icons in there and that's that's just always fun too so overall yeah this is this is a definite you got to watch it and, yeah, I mean, they do a lot of urban legends. They cover so many urban legends. That's the big thing, in too. So, And if you don't know a lot about urban legends, there's a thing that I saw back in 1998. This is what got me into the movie. It was called The Big Book of Urban Legends. And it's like a little graphic, animated, 300-page book of different urban legends in comic book-style form. And then I heard about this movie coming out, and that's really what kind of got me into it more than probably other people were into those into it at the time and they were just kind of like oh another slasher i was like "Ooh, a slasher about something i'm interested in so
0: mm, mm. Yeah. no i agree there's heaps of great books out there on urban legends um and uh there's, uh and and one that's called something like the hitchhiker and the something i can't remember that's a, that's a great book too maybe we can put it in the show notes um but that's a great one to read if you're interested in urban legends
1: yeah uh but yeah i think uh urban legend you got to see it avoid the sequels so <laughs> and hopefully we get the the reboot soon and i guess we're getting rebecca gayhart back in that cuz she signed on to it so Cool.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Can't Uh wait. I can't wait to see how they, um, how they, um, do it. Modern day. Um, I think you know. I do think a lot of the reason this film, um, received so much negative, you know, and criticism when it came out was simply because the market was oversaturated with these types of films at the time, like you said. And um, I think this coming out now would be received quite differently so it would be really exciting to see what they do with this reboot I, can't, I i will definitely be going to watch it and yeah look forward to it
1: yeah yeah i'm i'm excited mainly due to the fact that we're hitting close to the 25 years so it's it's very true to life if they go off that meta approach with it and really you know put some care into it it'll it'll be good
0: yeah and i think you know perhaps this is a time where we'll start bringing or reintroducing urban legends and age-old folklore to the masses again because, you know, not only, as you mentioned, is this getting rebooted, but, you know, we know that Candyman's also um, yeah. getting redone as well, although I am a bit of a um, purist and so I do love the original film, so um, I'm, I'm a little sceptical about that one. But, you know, also a film based on urban legends, so, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll see a bit of a resurgence in that
1: yeah hopefully we just start seeing more of that stuff i think we will i think in the next few years especially with like there being anthology stuff we'll probably see an urban legend anthology series if there isn't one that's already out there somewhere that well i I guess like um,
0: black for me you know like black mirror is a little bit in that space because you know you're talking about urban legends and the thing about urban legends is they really reflect Uh, the community's concerns at the time and you know that's exactly what Black Mirror does it really centers on concerns around technology doesn't it and so it's almost like a modern set of urban legends isn't it so yeah it'll be really interesting to see what they come up with for this reboot of urban legend and whether it might go more into that type of space you know more technology type legends or you know what what is society concerned about now that's the big question
1: you know yeah that would actually be really cool to see or if they i mean they might end up taking you could parallel a lot of the modern stuff back to those original legends Mm. you know with with kind of even with technology changes and everything so yeah integrating that together should be Mm. yeah yeah that should be really interesting to see so uh I hope it goes over well. I really do.
0: <laughs> Don't ruin it.
1: <laughs> oh, it's been so long. So yeah, hopefully it's been enough time for them to, you know, come up with a really cool concept. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks. Thank you so much for being on again. This was great. It was so good to talk about urban legend with you.
0: <laughs> thank you. No, it was really, um, a pleasure. Uh, thank you again for having me on the show and thank you for introducing me to this forgotten gem.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly thought you had seen it uh, a long time ago, so I'm glad that this was, was a new film for you to check out. So that's, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, thanks very much.
1: Um, so yeah, that'll do it for us this week on Oh The Horror. I'd like to thank my guest, Victoria Hall, once again.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Rob.
1: And I've been Rob Holmes, and this has been O oh, The Horror. You can find out more about Victoria at victoriahallauthor.com. And if you'd like to listen to more episodes of the podcast, you can find "Oh the Horror at holmesinvasion.podbean.com. We've got a back catalog of about a 100 to about 118 episodes, so there's plenty of stuff to go through there. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, and any other social media platform at holmesinvasion.com. Well, that'll do it for us this week. Until next time, I've been Rob Holmes, and this has been Oh, The Horror. Horror. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Horror. Come, it is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Horror. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk
0: here.